In the wrestling world, the people are represented by two separate but unequally important groups. The wrestlers and bookers, who literally do all the hard work, and the fans, who endlessly nitpick and overanalyze everything they do. These are their stories. Welcome to Raw and Order, the wrestling booking unit, the only wrestling podcast on the planet that's going to stand in a corner and wait for Io Shirai to jump off the top of a a cage with a garbage can over her head. (laughs) I am your host, Detective Mark Sparks, and I'm joined, as always, by my partner in crime, fighting District Attorney Vincent K. Fabe. What's going on, man? How are you? TikTok. I'm excited. Um, and disappointed all at the same time. Hard to believe. So, huh? so this is going to be our War Games episode. It's not going to be one of our standard uh, WBUs because why would we get to Don't do get one those. of those? <laughs> they have pay-per-views almost every weekend now. I thought, I thought that was. A, I was going to say I thought this is the standard. Yeah, this Sunday is, night episode. This is pretty much becoming it. We're going to have to pick another night to record the WBU from now on. <laughs> Pay-per-view review night. Um, no JLB this week. Uh, he is tired and has, like, family over at his house because, you know, it's the holidays and some shit like that. Um, so. Apparently, social distancing. I went there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently. Anyways, we um we will get to the War Games match in a bit. Before I get to anything, though, I'd like to remind everyone that Raw and Order WBU is part of the Tatnus Co. podcast network. So uh, head on over to tatnusco.com, click on the network link, and uh, you'll be able to see all the shows in the network and listen to them, and then come back here and listen to more episodes of this. Uh, share the love all around. Um, we're going to get to war games, but we couldn't do this episode today without at least talking a bit about what went down Wednesday, um, because this would literally be the topic of our WBU had it not been war games weekend, um, we'd probably be talking almost exclusively. All of our stuff would be talking about Wednesday night. Uh, if you've been living under a rock or you're one of those people who just doesn't watch AEW, doesn't watch NXT, you know, is just a Monday, Friday night guy. Uh, first of all, shame, shame, shame. Because it's the best night in wrestling. The best night in wrestling is Wednesday, hands down. I if, if I had to, had to give up watching wrestling on any night except for one, Wednesday would be the night I keep, period. Um, but that decision was made a little bit harder today not today, Wednesday, uh, by AEW. So, first of all, the biggest uh, big thing that happened on Wednesday, right after the Cody Rhodes and Darby Allin versus um, uh, FTW, uh, which was uh, uh, Ricky Starks and Will Hobbs, uh, they had this schmoz where FTW was beating up on Darby Allin and Cody Rhodes, uh, Cody and Darby got the win, but the schma is happening. FTW, Taz's team is beating up. And then the lights go off. And then uh, the, the... Winter's uh, Coming logo came up. 
the yeah the elite tron can't call it the titan tron it's not uh the elite tron anyways uh so showed a uh start of an entry that we had not seen before and then the music was familiar but not like it sounded similar to something it hit some chords in the back of your head but it wasn't directly something you'd heard before and then the words came up on the screen and not even words single word s t i n g and he hasn't and he hasn't been on tnt since for 18 years 18 years right and he comes out and I I literally I tell you this now I literally got chills sitting there in front of it hearing Tony Schiavone go it stang it was it was like I was 18 years old again watching WCW in my tiny little apartment uh, you're smart though yeah I am but it was it was phenomenal it was one of the best things I've seen in a long time and he comes to the ring and he really doesn't do much and this is this is the key is he scared off the FTW people they all kicked rocks he comes in he didn't have to do it as a run-in and beat up a bunch of people he came in he one by one went around looked at Arn Anderson looked at Dustin Rhodes looked at Cody Rhodes and then had an uh, eye-to-eye stare off with uh, Darby Allen Darby, yes. before delivering his woo and then leaving and uh, it was it was one of the best moments in professional wrestling in a long time in my opinion I know a lot of people a lot of the other podcasters and reviewers have said very much the same uh, Simon Miller gave this episode of Dynamite all ups not a single down for this episode and not only did it get all ups it got uh diamond up for sting's return his highest rating he's ever done and then later on something else happened that got a golden up so um i know i'm not alone in thinking that this was phenomenal but for me it was i was like a kid in a candy store at home just ah losing my freaking mind you really were it was odd. Yes. I can't wait to meet you, though, because it was fantastic as well. It was fantastic. Now, now, DFA mentions me being a smark, which is not just my last name, but it's the fact that Sting, we've mentioned before, Sting is by far my favorite wrestler of all time. So to see him back on my TV in whatever capacity. Now, he's 61. Yes. He's not going to be wrestling a lot. He is probably not going to take any major bumps whatsoever. Um, but that doesn't mean they can't use him in many ways. The common prediction is for them to use him in some sort of managerial role for Darby Allen, which they seem to maybe be hinting at with this. Um, I could see him in a, in a managerial role. I could see him in kind of an enforcer role where his whole thing is, is listen, we're not going to let that shit happen on our show. I'm going to come in. I'm going to set things straight anytime I have to. Who knows? But one way or another, he's got he's got something to give to the game that's not necessarily wrestling, you know, strictly wrestling. Uh, but then the other big thing that happened on this show was the the main event was the final the battle finally between John Moxley, the champion, and Kenny Omega. Their first official meeting in a important to say the word official because they did have that meeting uh, a little over a year ago, but it was an unsanctioned dark match, lights out match. And so uh, John Moxley won that match, 
but it doesn't count towards their records. It was unsanctioned. Uh, so this was their first sanctioned match, and it was a banger of a match. It was great. Um, I My only complaint with it is there were quite a few times that they were outside of the ring for a good 30, 40 count, and the ref just didn't count. And, uh, what do we expect from John Moxley? But it would have made it would have made it a little bit better in my mind if they'd have made at least an effort to stay within the strict rules for this match. But anyway, but uh, on commentary for this was Don Callis. He's been on commentary during a Kenny Omega match a couple times before, I think. At least once. Uh, So it wasn't a huge surprise to see him there, no more than it was the time before, at least. Um, And towards the end, there's a a spot. Kenny Omega gets kind of paradigm shifted into, kind of overhead suplexed into a uh, box heater on the side. Right, and the refs come over and they check on him. John Moxley goes back into the ring, and everyone's checking on Kenny Omega. Is he okay? Is he hurt? And Don Callis gets up from commentary and comes over to the ring, and he's got a microphone. And uh, Kenny Omega gets back into the ring, and Don Callis is saying, "No, you need to check on him. He could be hurt. He could be injured. Uh, Everything's serious." John Moxley goes over to Don Callis. Don Callis tosses the microphone to Kenny Omega. While the ref is distracted by Don Callis, Kenny Omega hits uh, Moxley in the face with the microphone and then proceeds to give him like 75 V-triggers followed by a one-winged angel for the win. So Kenny Omega is your new AEW champion. But that's not where the story ends because immediately following being declared the victor, handed the belt, he and Don Callis just book it. They go straight out the back. Uh, They go past Tony uh, Khan, who's like, what the fuck, guys? And they just run past him. They go all the way straight out the back to their car. They've got a limousine waiting. Uh, Alex Marvez is back there trying to catch up to them. And he's like, what's going on? What happened? How do you explain yourselves or whatever? And Don Callis says, I'll tell you all about it Tuesday. Alex Marvez. Tuesday. Tuesday. AEW Dynamite's not till Wednesday. Don Callis clears it up. Yes, but you'll hear more about it Tuesday on Impact Wrestling. That's the sound of my mind blowing. Because they had kept this so secretive that nobody predicted it was coming. But somehow or another, Impact Wrestling and AEW have some sort of a partnership coming up. Kenny Omega will be appearing or in some form on Impact Wrestling this next week and gonna explain himself and and all of that but nobody saw it coming like dave Meltzer didn't report i'm hearing insiders saying that impact wrestling is working on a deal with with aw scott stapp uh, sean rose stapp sean rose whatever i don't even remember all their names uh none of them predicted it it caught us all by storm um it was awesome so now this coming tuesday I will have to watch Impact Wrestling, which I've been trying to watch, don't get me wrong, but I'll have to watch it Tuesday uh, before M- before AEW on Wednesday this to see what the fallout from this is. I, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to try and figure out a way to be available to watch it Tuesday. Um... I'm, I'm I'm pumped. I, I uh, I'm not much of an AEW smart as you are, 
Uh, this is why when we did reviews, uh, I didn't do AEW. I, I really mark out for NXT. Um, but it's so much show needs put this so much show needs to be part of the conversation, not because NXT was poor tonight, but because I think we may have watched the best night in television in wrestling television uh, this year on Wednesday. Um, just just so much so much story to it. Um, so much surprise. I mean, here's the deal. We've all been trained for 20 years, 25 years, that the only way you work with your your 30 years, crap, I mean, you can go back to 1990 uh, or, or earlier than that, 35 years, probably was the last time WWE worked with anybody. I'd say 1990. Yeah, 30 years when WCW broke away from NWA. So 30 years we've been trained, um, you don't play with your, your competitors. Yep. And AEW has been playing with their competitors on NWA, uh-huh. New Japan Pro, and Impact. And it makes them, because they have the name recognition, it makes all of them better. I, I really, my only fear is that we develop a minor league out of this instead of just all of them being big leagues. Um, but it is, it's a, it's a send back to the territory days. It does not mean that it's territory wrestling, but it definitely sends it back to territory days and you go, Oh my gosh, my guy's on blah, blah, blah. Um, I really like Suzuki Okada. I want to see him wrestle Kenny Omega. Okay, fine. You just go on YouTube and watch that. <laughs> but, um, you know, I really like Darby Allen. I'd love to see him wrestle against, um, you know, uh, uh, oh, I'm trying to think of the guy on Impact, the, the uh, champion on Impact. Um, the Impact like Raheem Raju or the world champion. Yeah, the world champion. Um, uh, right Swan. now Rich Swan. is Rich Swan. Yep. Yeah, Rich Swan. Um, I'd like to see him fight Rich Swan, and and it's it's differing styles but similar styles, so that works. Um, yep. And, even more than that, but kind of like what you're saying is is this literally this Wednesday in ten years could be looked back on as a watershed moment for professional wrestling, right? It, it it will be looked at upon. See, because Trips came out on Thursday, did an interview and said, oh, we'd be happy to do crossovers. With who? Why haven't you done it for 30 years? For, th- for them, 35 years. Since before Trips was with the company. Yep. Why haven't you done it? If you're happy to do it, no, you, well, we do crossovers by hiring their employees. That's not a crossover. Well, okay, we buy them out. Also not a crossover. Like, I suppose you could maybe claim the ECW. Um, it's not really a buyout. I mean, it was eventually a buyout, but the ECW set up in the mid-90s where basically ECW was just paid to take WCW's clientele away. Um, that's probably the closest WWE's ever been to working with their... Okay, yeah, you bought Evolve. Okay, you bought FCW and turned it into NXT. That's that's not the same as playing with your competitors. They just let NWA represent their top women's championship three weeks in a row before this week, three weeks in a row, be represented on their brand. They just let their top championship go 
and get shown off an impact and you can guarantee we're going to see something like i don't know the good brothers versus um the good brothers versus uh, uh the the matt and nick jackson young bucks, young bucks. Yep. you know like well that that's like really what it comes down to and i just see, these things are going to happen yeah very likely um and there's so many like We've talked before about how AEW's women's division is probably the weakest of the three women's divisions, AEW Impact or, or WWE, especially if you include NXT in it, right? Yeah. Uh, but you add in just some cross promos between the AEW women's division and the Impact women's division, and suddenly it's a different ballgame altogether, right? The, the oh. other piece to that, I think, is is Vince doesn't do anything that does that Vince doesn't win. Mm-hmm. So when you do a crossover, it's gonna have to equal that other brand getting just annihilated. Yes. Whereas with Impact and AEW, there's going to be a compliment of some sort. In fact, it would be brilliant for Impact if Impact if say Moose Moose is the right guy. In fact, to pull the title off of Omega and. Then you have Darby take the the title off of of Rich Swan, and Taya Valkyrie can come in and win the women's championship at AEW, and suddenly you know you can get if you can, if you can blur those lines a little bit, suddenly you don't need three, four, five shows. Maybe this is the Tuesday night show they've been talking about all along. Maybe well, that's the deal. Is, yeah, that's that's really what it comes down to is the possibilities are endless with that. And we'll find out more on Tuesday and we'll find out as, as time goes on how deep this is going to run. I mean, is this going to be a short term partnership or is this going to be a long term partnership? We don't know. You know, it could just be through Revolution, which is in yeah. February, just a couple months of back and forth. And then they go back to their normal. That's and that's fine if that happens. Right. It's kind of what you want because you don't want to lose your brand. Yeah, you don't want it to be a permanent all the time thing. But at the same point, if there is a a opening for a um kind of a revolving door concept between the two companies, where, the where thing- you can say yeah. if this wrestler is not being used for a while, we'll use them over here. Uh, and and you know negotiate contracts that that allow them to work at either either company, but give certain company priority, like. Yeah, and Darby how much Allen. of this was able to happen because of the firings in March? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a big piece of Vince, you just wrote this check. <laughs> you don't even know it, and you wrote this check. Like, that's that's what I say. The... This, this is just potentially so groundbreaking for the next 10 years. I mean, literally, there is a good chance in 10 years from now, we will still be talking about the AW Impact crossover. Um, this opens up huge windows for a better G1. Yeah. I mean, this becomes this becomes G1 really becomes well, bigger than WrestleMania. Well, think think about it from this standpoint. Um, they've already shown some partnership with uh, NWA. We've talked mm-hmm. about that with the women's champion back and forth and all this. What if this allows NWA to go back to its roots? Remember, NWA wasn't a promotion of its own originally. It was the National Wrestling Alliance. Mm-hmm. It was considered to be the the uh super bowl for lack of a better term of professional wrestling right you could be the champion at your local thing your your regional whatever champion and then get a shot at the nwa champion and then you're both 
WCW and NWA champion or whatever. This could be the start of that, where NWA comes back and and becomes that one that is is used on AEW and Impact and on their own show, NWA. And heck, maybe eventually Ring of Honor gets brought into it. Or maybe they bring in a couple other indies from around, you know. Maybe the- Japan. Maybe, maybe Japan. Japan. Or maybe Game Changer Wrestling, right? Um, GCW just had a show the other day that, um, I think it was yesterday, that had uh, some real phenomenal matches on it. And it was a... Uh, it was a... It was a no crowd match. Or no crowd, you know... Um, I'm trying to remember what it was. Slime Season, I think is what they called it. Uh, but... But getting them in this, uh, because there's there's literally a good chance of, you know, creating this new alliance of all of them. Yeah. And just like Vince took that alliance down, Vince made that alliance happen. And that's what I find so poetic. I mean, history is history repeats itself, you know? I want to look up because I'm, I'm trying to remember the card for it because I was I was really impressed with them. So Chris Bay, who currently wrestles for Impact as well, versus Jordan Oliver. I'm not super familiar with him. Uh, Facade versus Sifa Fatu. And Sifa is, is literally one of the Fatus. I mean, it's not a stage name, right? Matthew Justice versus Jacob Fatu. Um... Nate Webb versus Eli Everfly versus Damian Drake versus KTB versus Jimmy Lloyd versus Matt Vandegraaff. I don't know them very well. Atticus Cougar versus Mance Warner. Mance Warner would be phenomenal seeing him on any other ones. Uh, Kikataru versus Alley Cat. I've seen Alley Cat wrestle on the Indies a couple times. Um, she's really entertaining. Uh, Ricky Shane Page versus Juicy Finau. And then uh, Leo Rush versus Blake Christian. Uh, now, we all know Leo Rush from his time in WWE. Um, I was familiar with him before WWE in his Ring of Honor time. This is one of those things that would allow people to continue to be independent wrestling stars and yet still get nationwide exposure. exposure. Um, so that's why I say we have to talk about it. We'll get to War Games here in just a moment, though, because that's really what this episode is going to be about. But this is, like I say, literally a, a, a watershed moment that could have ripples for the next decade oh, if, I things, mean, if things work out right. Now, this is all All these, all these companies also, the, the wrestlers are true 1099 wrestlers. So at that point, you don't have to have the argument about unionization and all that other stuff. I think I think that might be even part of their, their focus is, well, we don't want to have that conversation. We want to let you guys be able to not have to be employees to where you control your merch, control your Twitch, control your, your life. The more Vince tries to take control uh, from wrestlers over their own lives away, the more people are drawn to this, to being self-employed with their own bodies. You know, my body, my choice is, is relevant here, not in the same sense, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that's your merch. That's your gimmick. That's your style. Um, Young Bucks would take a pay cut to go to WWE for three times the contract money because of their merch, you know? And so, so it's... So, uh, anyways, super excited for this coming week, Impact Wrestling. Um, if you live in the United States and you happen to have Access TV... Uh, Tuesday nights at 7, I believe, on Access TV. 
is uh, Impact Wrestling. It's going to be interesting because Tuesday nights also at about the same time on YouTube is AEW Dark. So I'm wondering if they're going to shift that one way or another so as not to directly compete. Um, if you don't have access TV or let on, it compete, know that you're know that it's easily easily accessible later, and have it be a conversation like, what what's well, Kenny gonna do? <laughs> I I could see them just shifting it to later in the night. You know, let Impact have the time and then have the AEW Dark after. In fact, frankly, with a name like AEW Dark, to me that makes more sense for them to put it on at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock at night. At the same same time, you can watch ROH on Saturday nights on Sinclair Broadcasting Networks. But if you don't happen to live in an area that has access TV as an option, uh, if I'm correct, Impact Wrestling still uh, Twitch streams their show. So you can go to twitch.tv and watch it there. Um, So definitely worth checking out one way or another this Tuesday to see how far the these uh, earthquakes will go. Now, the, com- the parent company of Impact also owns Access, right? Yes. It's Anthem Sports owns do, Impact. Do we think that this opens up some doors for Access to get more cable networks, I guess? Uh, I would... I mean, it can't hurt, really. Oh. Um, the, the simple fact is Access will get more cable networks when it produces more popular shows. So if AEW can raise the viewership of Access TV, then um, that... Now, there's speculations that behind the scenes, uh, AEW is looking to buy Impact. I don't put a lot of weight into that speculation. Um, I'm not saying it's entirely unplausible. Uh, Tony Khan has a lot of money, and that would be an easy way to expand the brand, uh, both in terms of having another TV channel with, with... you know, sponsorships and all of that stuff, having a bunch more wrestlers just instantly without having to work specifically on, on individual contracts, all of that stuff. But I just don't see it happening. I don't see it because uh, Anthem has put a lot of time and resources into Impact Wrestling. I don't see them yeah. selling for a cheap price right now. Um, I see this being more partnership, most likely. Uh, allow some AEW wrestlers to appear over there. Allow some Impact wrestlers to come back here. Have it be a multi-pronged invasion. Uh, I didn't like saying that word. A multi-pronged uh, insurrection. Involvement. Involvement. Because I, I, think, I think they they did say invaded a little bit um, on on some of the Twitter streams. Um, I don't think that's I don't think that's what this is. I think that this is truly just a crossover. I think I think we might get Moose versus Wardlow um, or Brian Cage. They're definitely hinting. I haven't seen Moose versus Brian Cage before, but um, Good Brothers tweeted out something like, "We're ready for the best you got," and FTR responded, "No, you're not." Uh, (laughs) FTR said, "The North. (laughs) That's all they want. They just want to fight the North." They don't even care about the Good Brothers. Um, and the Young Bucks responded to a tweet from the Motor City Machine Guns, which uh, makes my little Motor City Machine Guns heart uh, flutter a bit. I love the Motor City Machine Guns, and some of their yeah. best uh, matches earlier on were versus the, at the time they were known as Generation Me, Max and Jeremy Buck, which is where they got the buck from Young Bucks. Anyway. 
Uh, what's interesting, because uh, I rewatched last week's uh, Impact Wrestling afterwards, and in hindsight, I noticed that they played the final five minutes of the uh, Motor City Machine Guns versus Young Bucks match from what was it 2004 i want to say when the young bucks were seven no they were still they were not (laughs) old but they were still not anyways it was like uh 2010 motor city machine guns versus young puck from from final resolution 2010 which uh was a crazy it's like a full metal mayhem match i think is what it was crazy match but that was a week ago a full week ago so it makes me wonder if at least one person in production was aware that this was happening and said hey let's put this match on it's kind of a easter egg uh-huh. oh i'm sure if we went back and looked there would be lots of very small easter eggs i.e don Callis being on commentary for kenny omega it, it it all depends on how long this was officially in the for, for everything, or at least, anyways. But we will so go is ahead. Callis actually Kenny Omega's uh, uncle? No, I don't think there's any like. They said it in commentary. They said so. I think uh, he trained with his uncle, trained with Kenny Omega's uncle, something like that. Uh, uh, or did uh, Kenny Omega trained with Don Callis's uncle? Yeah, just. When they when they make a remark like that, you're like, oh, I didn't know that they were related. Man, it's gonna make me suspicious of every single commentary change. Like, like what Caleb Braxton is going to to uh, SmackDown for commentary? Oh, oh okay. Uh, God, who, who who's going to AEW? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it's gonna be interesting here. But uh, <clears throat> anyways, let's go ahead and get to. What we were talking about originally, though, War Games. Yeah, because uh, it was a good pay-per-view. Yeah, we're, we're going to uh, skip straight to the verdict on this to make sure everyone knows. If this pay-per-view had been any other week, it would have been the best wrestling show of the week. But it wasn't any yeah. other week. It was it's the a top week. five pay-per-view of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it lands ahead of everything except for the most recent AEW pay-per-view. Um, it lands ahead in WWE of everything except for May. It's probably the third best pay-per-view of the year. There's a there's another takeover that was really good, and I can't remember which one it was. There was a takeover that was really, really good. Um, and then there was... Uh, uh, of course, AEW just recently had theirs that was phenomenal. And then, of course, there was WrestleMania, which was great. Um, and I would say this was in the same category as maybe Royal Rumble was this year. But like I say, any other week, this would have been the best show of the week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a good pay-per-view. <laughs> like, Except it followed Winter is Coming. We're gonna, we would have given this eight and a half stars solidly or above. Mm-hmm. Like it was that good of a pay per view. It just, boy, you know. Um, like yeah. I don't, I don't know better. if there's a single match that I would give less than eight stars. Oh yeah, I mean that Thatcher. Well, well, and we'll get into it. But that Thatcher versus uh, Thatcher versus Champa match. Like Champa doesn't do bad matches. That's all there is to it. And Thatcher looks like looks and acts like a sociopath. I was not a giant fan, and we'll get to it again. I wasn't a giant fan of the uh, Loomis match. Um, 
it felt like it was trying to avoid being schmozzy while being schmozzy. Yeah. It it was it was reaching to the bag of gimmicks for that match, but still, even with that, I don't think I would have given it less than eight. Uh, really, out of ten, you know. I, I love me some Dexter Loomis too, so I guess I get where you're coming from. But so, starting off the night, uh, they had the kickoff show. Nothing really happened on it, so like literally, I don't think there was a match. Uh, <laughs> nothing, which is fine. Kickoff shows, in my opinion. Either they need to matter or they just don't, right? And in this case, it didn't matter, and that's fine. But so the show kicks off with the women's war game match, which for a show like War Games, it does make sense for if you're going to have two war games matches to book in the show. Because, yes, uh, first of all, raising and lowering the cage is something you don't want to have to do too many times, right? So just start out with it lowered, raise it up lower it down again later, and then end with it lower, you know? Um, this one, of course, was the women's. Shotzi Blackheart, Ember Moon, Rhea Ripley, and Io Shirai on Team Shotzi versus Candice LeRae, Tony Storm, Dakota Kai, and Raquel Gonzalez on Team LeRae. Um, of course, uh, anytime you talk about War Games matches, you have to talk about the rules. So... Am I crackling? Yeah. I'm, I'm having trouble hearing you. Better? Okay, so both teams start out in the cages with one of their members each in the ring, right? In the double ring. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to the show, they do a draw straws or a tic-tac-toe or whatever to determine, flip a coin, to determine who has the advantage. After a certain amount of time, I think it's uh, one minute? Five minutes. Five, yeah, five minutes for the first one, three minutes after that. After five minutes, the first member from the team that won the coin toss or whatever gets to come into the ring, <coughs> giving them a two-on-one advantage. Then everyone can alternate with another person coming in. No one can win the match until all members are in, which I'm going to repeat because it's an important point. The match... And the match does not officially start until all members are in. So no pinfalls, no submissions, no anything like that can win until everyone is in the rings, right? Um, On top of that, escaping or climbing over and out um, or even going out through the the door is is a forfeit for your entire team, which is the way cage matches should be. I... I hate, it seems like, and I don't remember it from when I was a kid. Maybe it existed and I just blocked it out. But when I was a kid, cage matches were about, they have to stay in the cage. Whenever they decided to start this whole, whoever escapes the cage wins, I want to go back in time and I want to punch them in the nose. See, and I kind of like that. Um, I I remember a time when the cage match, the only way you could win was being the one who escaped the cage. You I'm fine. Or submit them. I'm fine if it's if it's set up as the way you win is by uh, beating your opponent so bad that you can just walk out the door. Which an example of that's the Punjabi prison match. That is the only way you can win a Punjabi prison match, which has never been won by the Great Kali, which is dumb. Yep. But the way that it is set up now, it's. If you if you are squirrely enough to just climb up the side and just drop down, you can win the match, which to me breaks all immersion for me 
because why would anyone then not immediately devote all of their resources into trying to get out? If, if that's the way to win, don't worry about beating up the other person. It really should just be a race. Who can get out faster? Yeah, come come to the ring with duct tape and tape them to the ropes and run into the door and be like, open the door. That's the other thing is not enough people try to go out the door. Yeah, which, yeah. which again, in cage matches when I was a kid, they didn't open the door for you. If you did escape, it was over the top. Yeah. But that's another thing altogether there. I, I always hate that. But in war games matches, that is not an option. Escaping is losing, period. But because there's no... Uh, disqualification on it you could use whatever weapons you want in the ring which has been something it wasn't a feature of the early war games matches that i remember but it's been a feature of the nxt war games matches where before entering the ring they just throw a bunch of weapons into um and that fine because they're legal yeah because they're legal no disqualification so just do it but and i i'm fine with it i just think it's funny because i don't remember that happening in the war games matches before uh, NXT, but NXT is just like, oh yeah, let's let's have them run down to the ring. But before they enter, they pull out. Oh, here's a stack of kendo sticks. Here's a whole bunch of chairs. Here's a toolbox. Um, yeah. So there's the one schmoz part that I see in this because Shotzi was the third one in. Mm-hmm. Well, let's start with just the entry order. We've got Dakota Kai. Yep. And uh, Ember Moon. Ember Moon. Ember looked great in this match. Mm-hmm. I don't know how WWE messed her up. Yeah, Wait. Ember's looked phenomenal ever since coming back to NXT. She got Ember's her NXT. I don't understand how WWE miswrote her storyline so much. Yeah, I don't get it oh. either, because she's phenomenal. So anyway, Shotzi comes out third, gets under the ring, gets a crowbar, thank God that was never used, and a toolbox that has a hammer in it that does get used, um, and uh, puts those in the ring. How did she not notice the kendo sticks? Yep. I don't know. She looks at the toolbox. Like, ah, kendo sticks your toolbox. I'll take the toolbox. Well, and, and if, you're, if you're looking under there, so obviously that means you've planted those things, or it's implying that you've planted those Wait, things. Which means whoever planted the second one of those should have just gotten rid of the first one. Is an idiot for not getting rid of the first one, yeah. Oh, hey, I'm going to hide these kendos. What's this toolbox here? Well, that doesn't belong to be here. Let's put that someplace else so that no one can use it against me. Well, it also, you know, from this standpoint, like, I don't mind the weapons and all of that stuff, but, and they did this in one of the previous ones. I can't remember which one, but the first person who came there just kept the door open and just threw in all the weapons. Just like, here, here's a toolbox, here's kendo sticks, here's a sledgehammer, here's some chairs, here's a table, here's all, just throw in all the stuff before coming in. Uh, Not just grab one or two things, but all the stuff. I'm just gonna spend the entire three minutes I can throwing shit into the ring. Um, Anyways, so then it was two on one, uh, Shotzi and uh, Ember Moon versus poor, poor Dakota Kai, who Dakota Kai looked good in this match too. Yeah. Uh, In fact, none of these women looked bad in this, none. Um, And so uh, two on one, and then Raquel Gonzalez came in, and so now it's two on two with the big girl in there, which Ra- Raquel Gonzalez isn't actually that big, like, in real life. But, no, she's 5'10". Yeah, but compared to all those, she towered over most of them. Um, then Rhea Ripley came in. Uh, also, so, not all that big in real life, but 
Um, at this point, uh, Rhea Ripley was able to to even the odds and and beat up Dakota Kai with a bunch of weapons and then brawled with Gonzalez and all that stuff. Then we had that's Tony. That's the story that's already being told. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that and that's the story that they're building up. Uh, obviously, is these two large powerhouse women. Uh, toe-to-toe. Um, uh, Tony Storm finally enters. She's the one who grabs all the kendo sticks from under the ring. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Io Shirai and then Candice LeRae was the last one. Uh, Io Shirai, when she came in, she threw a couple ladders in. Um, oh, that because uh, Io Shirai the... and then she gets attacked outside the ring and they they hold the door shut so she can't get in. Then uh, Candice LeRae comes down, and while outside the ring, Indy Hartwell attacks Io Shirai. And then Candice LeRae goes in, and uh, Indy Hartwell locks the door and hides the key in her bra, which, of course, was kryptonite to all the male referees out there. Like, oh, I'm, I can't. I can't go after it. I'm not going to do that. You, you go do that. So Io Shirai is stuck outside the ring, the rings, outside the cage. And that's why I made sure to point out, it was very important to note, the match still doesn't start then. So for the next, I think it was like five minutes or so, uh, it was... He was down and trying to get in. (laughs) Yeah, trying to get in. She can't. It was four on three on the inside. Team LeRae is just kicking the crap out of the good guys. Um, And then finally, Io figures out that there's no top to this cage. Well, she tried it a couple times to climb in, and they knocked her off the edge because it's a chain link cage. Yep. But she gets up to the top with a garbage can. How do you and... how do you tote that thing up there while you're yeah, doing? Yeah, that's it? impressive to <laughs> climb up to the top with a garbage can without getting knocked off, without drawing too much attention to yourself. This is the only nitpick I have for this match. Is this was the time where. The thing that I hate the most in multi-person cage matches happens. And that someone's up at the top and all of the other people stand around like idiots in a small little group waiting for the person to jump off and, and take them all out. Uh, and, and we know why it is. It's so that it's to soften the bump. It, it, there's, there's 100% reasons why they do it. I just think, frankly, in modern wrestling, I think they've gotten lazy about hiding it, right? Yeah. Um, it's become a trope of just, hey, let's all bunch up. Like, in reality, they should be fighting with each other. They should be focused on each other. Uh, fight, fight, fight in a big bunch. And then Io Shirai yells something, and then they all look up so they can catch her or something. But anyway, it, like, it's a bit It would have been hard for her to yell something because she put a garbage can yes. over She then her put head. the garbage can over her body. That doesn't work with a real audience. I'm 100% positive somebody passed that up to her off camera. Yeah, probably. Um, now, now I'm going to preface, not preface, suffix my my talking about the part I hate my pet peeve with this and say, spoiler alert, it also happens in the men's war games. So this is not leveling it exclusively at the women. The men did the same fucking thing. Here's There's my a- other frustration with it, and it wouldn't have had an effect in, 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 with EO. Um, because the match doesn't start till EO's in the ring, which means she would have had to make the jump and land. Mm-hmm. So it, there it wouldn't have. But in the men's match, when they go up top, why are you not running up there to knock them off the cage? Exactly. <laughs> That's the other piece to it. Because if they're going to lose, okay, 
Congratulations, you just forfeited. Yeah. The the only thing that bugs me more than the I'm gonna bunch up you know, all of these people in a little thing so the person can jump up, which I say it happens in multi-person cage matches. It also happens often in multi-person matches where the people are all bunched up outside the ring and someone goes up and does it, and it bugs me there too. So, but he um, does the big dive over the top rope. Here's looking at you, Roman Reigns. Yeah. Um, at least though, with those, there's less of a obvious setup usually. Yeah. Because the person is running the ropes and and just makes the dive instead of having to climb up and set themselves yeah. up on top of the cage. But um, but again, these are nitpicks. I want to point out that it's nitpicking. Um, uh, so with this, she dives and she puts the cage, the garbage can over her body and then dives down to the ground, uh, taking out basically everyone. Then she moonsaults on Gonzalez, and then they they fight a whole bunch more. Um, some big spots. I, I can't go through play by play on this because so much shit happens and it's yeah crazy. I do know Ember Moon once hits a, a clips uh, on Dakota Kai across two chairs. Uh, Tony Storm hits her finisher, the Storm Zero, on Ember Moon through a trash can. Um, yeah. Well, and and she. Was it Storm that delivered the double stomp on uh, Eo with the trash can on her head? Like it looked like Eo was wedged into the trash can after that. Um. Yeah. No. That was. Um, uh, Maybe that was Dakota. I think it was Dakota Kai did it on on Eo. Um. But in the end, the 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 big one, the big finish was uh, on that space in between. Um. They had set up a ladder propped between the ropes and uh, Raquel Gonzalez catches Io Shirai. Io Shirai is trying to do a um, like Hurricane Rana off it um, and Raquel Gonzalez catches her and hits a one-handed kind of chokeslam powerbomb through the ladders in the middle. Absolutely folds Io Shirai in, into origami and then pulls her out of the this ladder and gets the one, two, three. So Raquel Gonzalez looks like an absolute beast coming out of this match. Yeah. Which um, which is what these matches are designed to do. They're, they're really set to make someone look like a beast. Um, it's it's exactly them. what happened with um, oh, uh, Rhea Ripley last year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it sets somebody up to be championship material soon. Yeah. So uh, this, this was a phenomenal match. Like I said, I have that little nitpick. Not too much that's tiny it takes it from an a plus to solid a maybe i don't know to i don't know how to do it after the match we have uh finn balor pre-taped promo uh which implies that he's at least close to recovered enough from having his jaw broken in two spots and wired um, to maybe come back and start actually competing again. He says the time for team sports is over and uh, starting this Wednesday, all eyes will be on the Prince. Which is good because he's the champ. Yep, he's the champ. So um, it's, it's fortunate his injury was of a way that they could keep him in the spotlight without him having to wrestle match. So yes. he didn't have to forfeit a champion, you know. Um, so. Next match was Tommaso Ciampa versus Timothy Thatcher. 
I kind of expected this to be a little bit more technical than I think it was. It started off mat wrestling, but then it ended up at times just being another wrestling match with the chops. See, um, I thought this match was fire. I thought this was a great match. I, I, I don't, don't put words on my mouth. I expected <laughs> it to be a more technical match. That doesn't say I didn't like it. That just says that I expected it to be more technical at the beginning, and it and it was at the beginning. I expected it to stay more technical most of the time. Um, in, in the fact, end... I'm going to go on an edge here, and there was five really good matches tonight, and I would give this one match of the night. I don't know if it makes it to match of the night for me, but it was a good match. Not arguing <laughs> there. Um, uh, in the end, uh, Tommaso Ciampa hits the Widow's Bell and a guillotine and gets the win there. So Tommaso Ciampa defeated Timothy Thatcher by a pinfall. Uh, great match. You know, it is one of those that it, it didn't have enough of those like like the War Games match had all those big moves that I could say this is what happened, and this happened, and this person did this thing. There's not really all of that for this because it was more of a uh, traditional wrestling match. Yeah, it was a grudge match. But it was a good match, so. Yes. Um, moving on, yeah, Dexter Loomis versus Cameron Grimes in the strap well, match. Hold up, there was a problem. And I, and I alluded to it. There was a promo no, right that after comes, that match. Comes after the Dexter. Oh, no, does it? I thought it was right after this one. Okay. Nope. Nope. It comes up. I did not forget about it. Okay. Um, so, uh, Dexter Loomis versus Cameron, Cameron Grimes. Uh, an interesting storyline that started it off that I, I don't know if they needed to do, but I guess it makes sense. Cameron Grimes insisted on using his own strap for this versus the strap that they had brought. And I guess I get the storyline they're trying to tell with it, but it didn't show, it didn't go to any advantages, or at least show an advantage for him using his strap versus the one they provided. It did like, eventually. His strap was a, a big, long leather strap. You didn't get to see the strap that they wanted to use because it was in a canvas bag. Till later. So, um, so I think in this respect, it would have made more sense for them to pull the the rope the uh, one out of the canvas bag, and then say, "No, oh, I want to use this one." That's why, the way the storyline works. I'm curious why you say that because what what ends up happening? It's the same type of strap later on when they do pull it out of the canvas bag and use the canvas bag as a blindfold. Which is why the storyline of "I want to use my my." strap doesn't make as much sense because they're, they're the same types of straps right um i think it was so that the canvas bag would still be there i which is fine i'm saying if you want to tell the storyline then you have to have the strap in there be different that's true. to make it you know that's yeah. my point it makes no sense of the storyline if there's not a difference between the straps. Some theoretical advantage he gets from one strap versus another. Say the strap that's in the bag is a canvas strap, or the strap that's in the bag is actually nylon rope instead of a leather strap. He could be like, nope, I want to use the leather strap because it's manlier, it's old school, and whatever. Um, but the fact that they were effectively the same strap made the storyline not make as much sense. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, okay. In the end, uh, Loomis hardly got into the strap at the beginning at all because Cameron Grimes attacked him before he even got the strap on. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our uh, jury laughs you. <laughs> I'm, I'm relatively certain they do. I know the demographics we pull. Um, <laughs> um, in the end, um, Cameron Grimes looks to have advantage a bit at the beginning, but then Dexter Loomis comes back, and uh, Dexter Loomis is a beast. I love him. Um, I will point out that he still didn't speak in this. No. Even when the referee asked him, are you okay with using this strap? He just looked and whatever. I, I mean, have a fight. <laughs> like, yeah. Didn't nod, didn't nothing. Just, oh my gosh, okay. I think he's okay with it. I assume he's okay. Uh, <laughs> this this was, was, the finish of this in the end was probably the biggest thing. Now, like you say, there was a point where uh, the the bag from the other strap gets used as a blindfold for a while. Um, in the end, Loomis counters the cave-in and uh, trips Cameron Grimes face first on the chair, face first into a chair, and then hits his chokehold. Yeah. And Cameron Grimes is fighting to try to get out of it and do whatever he can. And Dexter Loomis grabs the strap and wraps it around Cameron Grimes' head and pulls his head back with it. And instantly Cameron Grimes is like, nope, nope, I'm done. Tap, tap, tap. Um, no likey this. So Dexter Loomis gets the win here. As as much as I liked this match, this was probably the weakest match of the night. But I want to point out... I would agree. ...that that is not saying much. Again... No, yeah, again, good match. It was um, a good match. Lots of use of the strap. Yeah. Lots of use of the strap. And that seems to be Mr. Loomis' signature match. It's cool. Because that's also what he had against uh, Roddy. It was a leather strap match. So, so I say yeah. weakest match of the night, but we're still talking about seven and a half stars out of ten. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe eight. Maybe. Uh, depending on who you ask. Um, after this was the uh, promo you were referring to, a very short vignette of a vulture perched waiting to strike. TikTok, Carrion Cross's back suit. <laughs> does it still frustrate you to call him Carrion? It does. I get it. You don't <laughs> want to say Killer all the time, but God, Killer Cross was such a great name. Um, anyways. Moving on, North American Championship match. Leon Ruff, who is the champion, won it off Johnny Gargano with the sort of assist from Damian Priest and then retained it from Johnny Gargano with the assist from Damian Priest. Uh, has to defend versus Damian Priest and Johnny Gargano uh, in a triple threat match, which of course means no disqualification, um, which... Things don't look good for Leon Ruff in this situation. <laughs> um, I gotta be honest, you, uh, I I did not see Leon Ruff coming out of this as the champion, but I did not correctly predict who was going to be the winner. Um, so this match, I don't know, it had, it had a lot of things. Again, one of those things where I can't go play by play on it. I know uh, at one point, uh, Gargano got a razor's edge through the barrier on the outside. Um, I thought the the best story no, it's like the rough told during this entire. I thought the best story that that was perpetually told during this match was 
rough trying to get in the blows when the other two were fighting with each other. Mm -hmm. I, I thought that was just such a fun story. You know, wait, wait, it's my turn. Dude, that's not how this works. <laughs> we're not on teams. So. But um, in the end, like you say, the real storyline of this was um, Gargano versus Damian Priest. At one point, a bunch of Scream Ghostface mask people showed up into the ring and started attacking Damian Priest. We still don't know who those people are, but there's a lot of them. You know, keeping in mind that they, at the last NXT, the Scream Ghostface people were the ones who helped Johnny Gargano in his match and attempted to help Candice LeRae in her match. Uh, we thought that it was Indy Hartwell and that, but there's like six of them in this time, so they can't all be Indy. Plus, Indy's selling a neck injury, so it's going to be interesting to figure out who these Ghostface people are. Um, in the end, though, Johnny Gargano was able to uh, get the um, one final beat on Leon Ruff for the win. So Johnny Gargano is the new, again, North American champion. Yeah, I thought this was a Damian Priest win. I really did. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking it was going to be... How I thought it would happen was Damian Priest was going to hang out with Leon Ruff for most of the match. And really, you just kind of brushed him off like, huh, no, you're you, you're here because I put you here and uh, get out of here. Um, and I think he went to that too too early, but um, that's just that's suspension of disbelief, you know, um, <laughs> you know, because we all know that that's how it's written. And that wasn't I, I think that wasn't the right way to write that. Maybe that's what I should say. Now, they did reveal one of the ghost face in this as Austin Theory. So we at least know that, but that still leaves five other ones that maybe it was retribution. They do have a penchant for masks, you know. Anyways, um, so a decent match here. It didn't end the way I expected it to, the way I would have booked it. Um, but along the same lines, I do see Priest potentially being able to move up to the... Uh, the NXT Championship feud instead of the, you know, North American. I think this is the time to move him up a bit. I hope so, because he sounds so much like a good friend of mine, Jeremiah, that uh, that I would just love to, to have him win the title. I think yeah. he... I like Damian Priest. I liked him better when he's punished Martinez. <sighs> You're obsessing. Just a bit. It was such a cool name. Damien Priest just sounds like... It It sounds like the name of uh, a created comic book character by a teenager in the 90s. He's an anti-hero. His name's Damien Priest. He wears a leather jacket and he drives a motorcycle and he fights the forces of evil. Anyways, uh, but no, good match there. Didn't end the way I wanted it to or I expected it to. Um... And maybe could have used not having the uh, Schmaz heel victory sort of a concept. But I will say this. It took Leon Ruff from a nobody into a a person that we will talk about. I mean, he's going to constantly be in the the picture on NXT now, for, at least for the n near future. Right? Maybe not title, but at the very least, they're going to start throwing him in some first 
And then moving on, we now have the final match, the main event, the men's war games match, Undisputed Era. That is, of course, Adam Cole, Bay Bay, Roderick Strong, Bobby Fish, and my man, Kyle O'Reilly. Versus, I don't, I don't even remember what they call this group, Pat McAfee's group. Yeah, ragtag group that doesn't make sense why they're together when you have Imperium as an option. So Pat McAfee, Oni Lorcan, Danny Burch, and um, the guy who apparently sleeps in a tanning booth now, Pete Dunne. <laughs> he, he, he certainly is a little more tan than he used to be. Not just more. Here's here's the problem. is If it was him and Pat McAfee and almost anyone else, he probably wouldn't look quite so bad. But Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch are two of the palest white guys in all of professional wrestling. Yeah, I mean, they're they're third and or second and third behind Sheamus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so uh, Pete Dunn looks so out of place with. Um, looks a little bit better now that it's calmed down a bit because uh, he must have been fresh from it on NXT this week because he was he was like an Oompa Loompa orange, nearly orange, Jim. Um, and here it at least looked more natural tan but it was very dark. Have you seen the episode of Friends when Ross goes to the tan, spray tan booth? Uh, it's been a very, very long time. And he faces the wrong direction every single time. Like, he gets four spray tan shots to his front and never gets his back. <laughs> it's very funny. That's yeah. kind of what he looked like. <laughs> but um, starts off with Pete Dunne and Kyle O'Reilly in the ring. And Pat McAfee's team won the advantage, which means after that first five minutes, Oni Lorcan shows up, um, and then Bobby Fish comes in, and then then it's even up, and they t- you know do a lot of stuff there. Then Danny Birch comes in um, to give uh, an advantage for a while. Then Roderick Strong comes in to even it up, and and he kind of wrecks everything for a while, um, which I don't know. It makes sense because he. In terms of, like, body build, Roderick Strong is by far the strong man of the, right? Of all eight of these. Um, Roderick I don't strong. know. You got you got the bruiser weight, bud. You know? I mean, I'm, I'm talking, feller. He's stocky, but but Roderick Strong is cut. Okay, um, I get what you're saying. And so, anyways, um, then McAfee comes in. McAfee's the last of his group to come in. And he brings in a bunch of tables. Um, Danny Burks brought some cricket bats in, I think. Um, I don't think anyone else brought anything in. Um, McAfee brings in the tables. Each of the tables is labeled for the Undisputed Era. Strong goes through the first one uh, with a moonsault. Adam Cole then finally comes in. He hits a fire extinguisher um, on everyone before coming in. And then it is mayhem. Um... There's chair shots, there's uh, table spots going, there's all sorts of stuff. Um, uh, there's the, the one thing that bugs me probably more than the bunch up in a thing for someone to jump off the top is the Tower of Doom spots, and I was happy to see that they didn't try to do one of those in this match. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched all the War Games matches today on YouTube, and watching the the tag team war games match where it was really four two person teams mm-hmm. when AOP did the did the three person power bombs 
Yeah. That was uh, not enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, it just takes too much time to set those up. So, um, uh, a lot of uh, uh, Chekhov's tables in this, where they'd set up a table and then not use it just yet. Um, in fact, there was a table set up in one side that I, it, it was it, set up in between the two rings, propped up in a corner. I don't even think anyone went through that table in the end. Um, so, but a lot of that, there was one, one moment that, um, I, I was almost yelling at my TV about. So, uh, the Undisputed Era was able to take out McAfee on one ring and then go over in the other ring. And they were able to take out Pete Dunne and throw him into the, uh, cage on the side. And then they took out Oni Lorcan and they took out... Uh, Danny Burke, and they threw them all together. So they're all uh, standing outside of the ring against the the chain link on, on the far end of the ring. And one at a time, all four of the Undisputed Era hit each one of them in succession with a series of moves. It was, it was uh, elbow to the face, and then uh, a Roderick Strong knee, and then I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember. The way to anyway, I took out all four of them, ending up with the super kick. Um, and then they were able to go in, and Pat McAfee was outnumbered four to one. And and they kicked the crap out of him for a while. And the reason I was almost screaming at my TV is I'm like, you could win this match right now. Just try and pin somebody. Just pin him. Just pin him. <laughs> and the other three stand there and wait for the three unconscious men mm-hmm. to try and stand up. Exactly. But no, they all focused on, on Pat McAfee long enough that the other three people could recover and come in and even the score. Uh, Pete Dunn was able to hit a bitter end on O'Reilly. McAfee was the one who did the top, the off the cage jump. Yes, McAfee did the off the cage jump. Uh, And it's the example I'm talking about. You have Adam Cole in a ring who's had this feud with Pat McAfee. McAfee's on the top and it looks like he's a little scared. Maybe that's what they were selling. Maybe it's not. But Adam Cole can scale the side of a cage equally as fast as Seth Rollins, and both of them do it way freaking fast. And all you would have to do is run up that ladder or up the cage and push push his leg. Which (laughs) also is is a chance to set up one of those big spots that you're always looking for the through the table spots on the side you know yep mick foley through the table off hell in a cell sort of spots you set it up this way where there's a table on the outside and um he climbs up and he gets pushed off and he falls through that table and it's a relatively safe fall for him uh but it gets the victory for the undisputed era or something but they didn't they stood there and waited for him to jump on them. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty close to the end. I don't know that there were any other... There were tons of giant spots. I don't know that we're going to name all the big spots. No, we're not. I mean, like like I said, Pete Dunn hit Kyle O'Reilly with a bitter end, which is his finisher, but he kicks out. O'Reilly hits a suplex onto the steel between the rings, but, but uh, Dunn kicks out of that. 
Pat McAfee takes him out with a chair. Uh, Cole dodges the punt kick and then eventually hits McAfee with a super kick and then the Panama Sunrise and McAfee kicks out of the Panama Sunrise. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Again, I think I think the strongest move there is to have McAfee, who's not a wrestler, um, suddenly have scouted this differently than anybody else. And his mind goes, I can reverse it. Which, actually, it's a very reversible move. <laughs> so, I don't know. Or avoidable move. Yes. Both of which are true. Or... Or the other option, he, he, we've talked before about how finishers need to be finishers, right? Um, I'm not saying people can never kick out of a finisher, but it's got to be rare. And more specifically, when you hit the finisher, it should be the finish of a match 90% of the time. And you don't have to hit it in every match to win the match, but when you do hit it, it's the win, right? For in a perfect example, the one-winged angel from Kenny Omega. He wins plenty of matches without hitting it. But when he does hit it... He wins. Right? Um, Pat McAfee's not the one you need to kick out of the Panama Sunrise. This is something you could have someone else break up the pin. You could have Adam Cole not hit the move. This match was not made better by this Panama Sunrise being in it and McAfee kicked Right? No. Yeah, I, I agree. But, uh, Annie, Oni Lorcan got hit by the last shot, saving Pat McAfee on that. Um, Pete Dunn hit a bitter end on Cole into a chair, but Strong broke that up. Uh, in the end, though, we had, uh, the high-low first on Oni Lorcan, and then the, uh, Kyle O'Reilly flying knee to the face into a chair on Lorcan and then get the win. Yeah, that was that was fantastic. And everybody was down. It wasn't it wasn't uh wasn't hey we're gonna come together and do this. It was how are those two still standing? Because they were the ones that opened the match. Mm-hmm. Um it was phenomenal. Uh I I think the right team won. I think it's amazing how in this last month or so storyline with Pat McAfee, um, I will give Pat McAfee credit. He's performed better than I expected him to. Um, he also was was propped up by Pete Dunne, Oni Lorcan, and Danny Burch, three phenomenal wrestlers in their own right. Yeah. But it's, it's impressive to me how Pat McAfee was so hateable that in this one simple little feud, the Undisputed Era became the faces. I'm not saying they're faces full-time, because they're a heel stable, but Pat McAfee and his team were so hateable that the faces were the Undisputed Era. And that that's impressive to me that they were able to do that. Um, but having Undisputed Era win is the way to do it on this. I, I, think, I think in both the War Games match, the right people won. Uh, and this one... They it, got the final pin and everything. Yeah, it, it, even the, the person who got the pin. In I fact, was really hoop, shooting for Pete Dunn to turn on Pat McAfee. I was kind of hoping for a turn. That's the one I wanted. Um, uh, because because the, it's a it's a ragtag throw together. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. And, and Pete Dunn's the right guy for that. Because only looking 
Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch are going to head back to I Want Tag Titles, and we all know the tag titles go through Undisputed Era. Like, even if they don't go through Undisputed Era, even if they don't have them, the titles go through Undisputed Era. Um, so that makes sense for them to stay fighting Undisputed Era. Um, and, and Dunn is, you know, a tentative member of Undisputed Era. I just think Pat McAfee's done a really good job of creating a very hateable character for his uh, and arguments with Adam Cole that I think with Pat McAfee having that hateable character, I mean, Beth hated it on it the whole match. The whole match is in commentary. Beth was hating on it. Um, and if you want a uh, person to be the good guy commentator, that's her. So obviously they wanted him to be the, the bad guy. And I've... I think Pete Dunn is the right guy to have attack him and not necessarily help Undisputed Era. I just, I'm going to handle this situation. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to punch Adam Cole. <laughs> I, I think that yeah, kind of what you're saying, they could have told a storyline of a a turn without being a joining, right? Because yeah. even, yeah, even you... Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch, they could have played the heel character so well in the standpoint of you are no longer useful to me anymore. You're a detriment to where I want to be. So I'm going to take you out. Of you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, while we you were useful to me. Our entire careers for this. And you just come in and you get you get a war games match against the team that's had four straight, four straight war games matches and won three out of the four. You get that? No, no, that ain't cool. Yep, I'm done. And they, I'm out. Yeah, yeah. You win this four war games match, just you against those four. But, um, so. in fact, the only match that I can say I don't think the right person won was the North American Championship. I still think Damian Priest was the winner, should have been the winner for that. But I don't know. I I, uh, I would not have been upset with Schmaz, um Cameron Grimes win. I wouldn't have been angry with it. I, I like I like the Liz win, and I like making that his match. I really do. Um, there's some some old school matches that need to be brought back. I do wish the strap match was a four corners match. Um, Amen. We haven't seen one of those. We haven't seen one of those in ages. Uh, and maybe maybe only the Texas Bull Rope can be the four corners match. Maybe, but either one of those would be great to have. Yeah, I, I love Dexter Loomis with the leather strap. I, I do. I, it fits. So. so that's what I say. The only one that I, like, 100% think the wrong person won was the North American Championship. I wouldn't have been angry if Cameron Grimes won, uh, but I do think it was better for Loomis to win. Um, well, same with Champa versus Thatcher. I, I wouldn't have been angry if Thatcher won, uh, but I do think reestablishing Champa as... Because he's fresh back from another injury. He's got to reestablish himself as this dominant before you can have him go after the title again. Yeah, and and he's the better title holder. He's the best title holder behind Balor and um, Adam Cole in the company, in in, in NXT. Uh, That Goldie gimmick is phenomenal. But I also think that there's one other thing that's missing by having Gargano win the North American. If you keep that title on uh, Balor, um, Gargano having a title means he doesn't go and I don't feel like that story's done in my opinion. I don't feel like they give that closure. Mm-hmm. You know? And so 
uh, I want to see some closure from from Balor kicking yeah. Gargano a year ago. In the face. Um, no, I agree. Plus, Gargano versus Balor is always going to be an absolute phenomenal match. Barber, yeah. Um, I want to see that nine times out of ten. So in the end, a really great War Games pay-per-view. And would have been the best show of the week had it not been for a pesky little thing like AEW's Winter is Coming, pulling out all of the stops. Um, and Yeah, that said, I mean, AEW's, AEW's other shows in December will not match up to AEW's Winter is Coming. No. And most likely won't match up to War Games. They took that... They, they rolled the dice on that being better than the pay-per-view, and they won hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they, and here's they the picked up viewership because of it. Yeah, they got almost a million views, uh, viewers. Uh, and the thing is, I think next week, Impact both will have Impact the best week of the year. Yep, both Impact and AEW will have higher viewerships than normal. They might not hit a million. It might drop a little bit. If only Fallout show from from NXT. Impact will have its biggest show of the year. But Impact definitely. Um, but just, depending it, on how much they give away on Impact, tells us how much they'll get on on AEW. Well, that's the if if on Impact you see the Good Brothers say. AEW, be prepared. I'm coming to see you tomorrow. Um, you know, you that. if on impact you see um, Kenny Omega throw away the title, you won't. AEW won't have great viewership the next night. They need that title to stay on Kenny and him to come back and defend it in that ring. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, but that's the you know, I mean, Impact has a chance to build both their viewership and. AEW's viewership with theirs, so it will be interesting to see there, but this was if you take away Monday and Friday, this was the best week of pro wrestling we've had in a long time if you keep <laughs> Monday and Friday in, it was still a really good week of pro wrestling um, yeah yeah, I mean we're gonna get KO versus KO versus uh, Rowan mm-hmm we had a Pat Patterson tribute match that uh, yeah. showed off the original oh, Intercontinental title belt, which looks so weird compared to what it looks like since then. But yeah. So anyway, yeah, there's a, I think all in all, um, there's a Facebook group that I recently joined called We Pretend Kayfabe is Real, uh, and it makes me laugh so hard. Okay. Every single one of the posts is like, uh, you know, well, one of the posts was about the Intercontinental title and and someone commented like, uh, are you kidding? My uncle's brother's boyfriend's sister's girlfriend's cousin's grandfather was at that uh, tournament in Rio, Brazil and saw him win. <laughs> you know, there was no tournament. It was all made up. But we pretend K Fame is real. We pretend K Fame um, I mean, I know I'm real, but. Yeah, I mean, you are real. And you are also actually a DA. Yes, district attorney. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yep. yep. Real life. But. But so, great week of wrestling. Um, I. I really can't give any negative crime either AEW or the NXT pay-per-view. Uh, 
No, I'm, I mean, I'm sure I could give crimes to both Raw and SmackDown if I really wanted to. Um, I mean, like, well, I know for a fact because they announced Oscar uh, and Lana versus. Yeah, let's let's not. Shayna and. and let's Aya. let's just not let's not touch on the negative. We have a high this week, and we yeah. should enjoy that high. Like, let's not. Let's just not. This is this is the best week of wrestling, and and I'll, I'll say it. Um, wrestling's the high point of 2020. Um, we got what was WrestleMania this year with two cinematic matches that are probably the best two cinematic matches of all time. Um, we got Sting coming back. We got um, agreements between major promotions to work together. Um, yeah, wrestling the high point of 2020. And and for that, I have to say, good job to all of the above. <laughs> Even if there's Lana still. <laughs> Did I lose you again? No, you're just nope. silent. <laughs> yeah, I was just being silent. You were you were going on your speech, and I was letting you speak. But oh no. Great week for wrestling, and um, I'm excited for the next week in wrestling and uh, excited to see Sting back on my TV. He's going to speak on uh, AEW this week, Dynamite, uh, so we're going to at least get to find out a little bit more about what he's doing. Which does open up the door for Kenny not to show up, which I suppose is okay. Yep. Well, what's going to be really interesting is 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 Sting the last big surprise? Tony Khan has hinted that uh, that might not be the only surprises coming. I don't, I don't. So it's not going to be Hogan, obviously, because um, you want to bury yourself, get make it Hogan. But I, who else is there? Who's bigger? Well, Triple I don't. H is, Triple H is the only one you can get that makes a bigger impact. And people go, I don't necessarily. <laughs> think whoever whatever happens next is bigger overall but there's still some big surprises that could happen you know uh we were expecting a lot of us at least who follow uh certain people online we're really expecting kenta to make an appearance on dynamite this he's been hinting about the fact that he wants his shot at john moxley who is the current and jpw uh, USA champion. So that's a big surprise that could still come. It's not Sting level surprise. I'm not saying it is. No. But it's still a big surprise that could come. Um, there's other legends or former legends that could still show up. Uh, be a big thing. Um, but no one is big as Sting. Reports have it that Sting really wanted to do a cinematic match versus Undertaker, and it was Vince who poo-pooed that idea, and that that played a heavy, uh, heavy hand in him deciding not to resign with the company. Um, they could have been filming that all the way to the next WrestleMania, and not the Undertaker, you know, has to retire for six months. Well, as the deal is with a cinematic match. They could have filmed it as long as they wanted to, you know? Yep. Which would have helped to people getting up in there in years not have to put their bodies on the line quite as much. Yep. Do a little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit there. 
take a couple days off and then come back. Okay. Exactly. But but so a good week in wrestling. I'm excited. I'm excited uh, for this next week. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. It's going to be interesting to see how long it takes Killer Cross to actually show up because the vignette that they showed was not a lot. Uh, he's been tweeting a similar vignette uh, recently as well, but none of them actually say when. And his injury was was fairly substantial, but it's not unheard of for him to be back soon. I, uh, um, that makes me, since you say that, that makes me wonder since Mark is retired, and I say Mark specifically because there's no way The Undertaker can have a match in AEW. Do you think there's a chance that Mark has his final match as an AEW match? I don't know. I think... Well, well, you can never say never in professional wrestling. <clears throat> I do think that Undertaker feels he owes Vince McMahon a lot of his success. Because like you say, he wrestled in other promotions before his time in WWF as being Mark Callis in WCW. And Well, and he thought he was coming on as gobbledygooker, i.e. Eggman. So, but it was he didn't until, have to have that happen. It wasn't until Vince McMahon gave him the Undertaker gimmick and all of that that, that he, so I I would imagine there's a certain amount of loyalty there. Well, it sure seemed like it for many many years, didn't it? It's also he's he's so gimmick driven because he did such a good job of being kayfabe um, that it would be very difficult. A Sting versus Mean Mark Gallus match probably isn't nearly as enjoyable <laughs> especially since you can find most of it on youtube <laughs> true like 1992 however mean mark callus wasn't really uh wasn't really anything well not have been before that before 92 taker showed up in 89 okay maybe it was i don't know i was just throwing a number out okay so but obviously mean mark callus wasn't the name yet <laughs> and sting was an established name at that point so I I don't know that it works without it being the Undertaker. I, I don't. I don't um, think, I it think there's value in the entrances. Um, September of 1990. 90. Maybe maybe Undertaker showed up in Survivor. Se- oh yeah, I guess it's 30 years. So Survivor Series 90. So yeah, three months later he became the Undertaker. You can find it's not the full match. It's just like a two minute. But I bet you can actually find it on WWE Network because it was on a it was a heavyweight championship match. Like I say, you can find clips of it on YouTube. But anyways, great week of wrestling. We enjoyed it. We will be back in a few days with your fantasy booking report, which will be interesting because we will be recording it usually as assuming recording goes as scheduled. The night after Impact Wrestling, but the night before AEW Dynamite. So we might have a little bit more of an idea of what's going to be happening, but we still won't have the full picture one way or another. Yeah. So now we can book a fantasy booking Christmas match in AEW. Don't you fucking dare. (laughs) There's one. (laughs) Nope, I'm going to going to put the entire entire show based on fantasy booking uh, feuds of AEW versus Impact seriously. <laughs> Making that rule now. 
<laughs> okay, that's fine. Moose versus Brian Cage in a Sienna's Reindeer match. I said seriously. <laughs> that's that's a serious match. They they fight with reindeer around them in a stable of reindeer. Vicious reindeer who are totally <laughs> not going to poop and uh, pee all over the place. Vicious reindeer. <laughs> With handlers holding them back. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't even know if I can do that two weeks in a row. <laughs> I've been pretty vicious, but I don't know if I can give you two weeks in a row of Christmas matches. Good, because I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> not gonna. Um, I also, feel, I feel like we should we should set up JLB though to really believe we're going to do those things to it. <laughs> I'll allow it. that being said uh if you are a fan of our shows then you probably have already listened to the most recent botch along that you and jlb do most recent one posted is foley versus flair from last man standing tna impact in 2010 i believe it was yep yep last man standing match um both blood like stuck pigs um, I, if I remember right, Foley's last match, I think, ever. Last I or think. second or third or fourth to last, something like that. And Flair's like sixth to last. So. And then coming up this following week, the finale of your No Shave Movember McFoley a thon that continued all the way into December. There's just so much. There is. There's so much great bloody beastly fully out there um and that's a c4 match yes i don't know if they get much better ghastly bloody mcfoley matches than the barbed wire no ropes barbed wire exploding time bomb c4 match yeah i mean he he lays down into the into the barbed wire like he they, he actually, so so Funk in that, and just a side note, Funk in that runs to the barbed wire and stops and fully tries to bounce off of it. Like, it's, it's brutal. <laughs> must-see matches, I tell you what. These are both must-see matches, the, the last few. So, um, we've already seen The Rock last week, which was not a must-see, seriously. If, if I've ever told you not to watch or not to listen to a botch long or not to watch along with the botch long, boy, I tell you what, that rock one is just nerve wracking, nerve wracking. So it'll be nice to get back to non blood and guts. Yep. So we're going to figure out which one we need to go to for you guys. No longer. Yeah, blood and guts. You, you get to pick the next one. Mm-hmm. Got to choose. You, you're you're probably going. If I was going to guess, you're probably going to go more to bad match. Oh um, yeah, I'm I'm 100 going to like bad match. Um, yeah. I'm I'm just trying to decide. I'm 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 going to put this out to the listeners here, to the jury. Which one of these do you think is the match that I should do? There's a, and there might be another one. So if you think of one that we have that they haven't done already that you want them to do, send it to my way. Uh, you can tweet me or whatever. Uh, but right now I'm considering the reverse battle royal from TNO Bound for Glory in 2007. 
Um, Halloween Havoc, 1998, Hogan versus Warrior, which would go very well with one of their early... Uh, very first one. Very first episode, which was yeah. the Ultimate Warrior 20-minute long promo. This is the yeah. payoff to that. Uh, keeping Hogan in mind, WCW Uncensored 96, the Mega Powers versus the Alliance to End Hulkamania. Golly, and that's the one where he goes down from that and starts running for president, quote-unquote. Like, yeah. after that match, he ends up going to run for president and then comes back as Hollywood. And then I did a quick Google for worst wrestling matches ever, and one that showed up on all of the lists I saw was... Don't even uh, say it. I don't want to watch this. It was... Oh, it, it was an ECW Kelly Kelly Layla oh. versus Kelly Kelly from ECW in 2007. Um, I don't know if I'm that mean, so the jury would have to tell me to be that mean. How would they tell you? Don't tell them that, though, people. I'll start getting on Twitter weekly <laughs> if you just don't tell him that because I don't want to watch a Kelly Kelly match as the botch along. But how would they tell you? You can always find me on the social medias at Raw and Order WBU. That's on Twitter. That's on Facebook. That's on TikTok, although I haven't been posting much there recently. Wherever you can find us, Instagram at Raw and Order WBU. You can follow DA Fabe at DA Vincent K Fabe on Twitter. Maybe eventually he'll tweet something. <laughs> hey. Um, you know what? You know what? You should pick. You should pick the math promo. We should do that one, and then you can do a TikTok of you doing the math promo. Yeah. Problem is the math promo. What what we need to do is put together a compilation of a bunch of promos because the math promo would definitely have to be in there. Um, but it's short, all in all. So we'd have to do a couple of promos. So the math promo, maybe uh, one of Sid Vicious's worst promos, uh, could be uh, in there. Romans, Romans, I forgot my line promo. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or his suffering fantastic don't. <laughs> See, that'd be more fun. Don't make me watch Kelly Kelly versus Layla. Golly. Anyway, moving forward. But, uh, but yes, yeah, so you can catch us and there. You can also find our co-host that didn't show up, uh, JLB at JLB420. Uh, Real Talk Radio, Real Talk is, Radio the is the brand. Real Talk Radio 8 on Twitter. Uh, uh, RealTalkRadio.online is the website that he is never updating. The, I don't update. And uh, I do all sorts of podcasts, like our Big Brother podcast that's never on time because I try to edit it too much. And uh, yeah, don't over edit. That's also that's just an advice, piece of advice. We tried it too at one point, and Smarks was I, I it didn't bother me any, but Smarks was uh, eaten alive for what the first four weeks probably of this of podcasting yeah. with over editing and trying to get rid of swear words. And Fox, sometimes you just gotta accept that you swear. PG thirteen. I just did it. Yeah. So, um, and then before we go, I just wanted to bring up, this is something I saw, uh, the other day. Someone tweeted at, uh, Chris Jericho, um, and said something else, but he says, I wonder how I am Chris Jericho feels about being the second biggest star in AEW now, referring to Sting showing up. And this is why Chris Jericho 
deserves all the praise that he gets. Because his response was, second biggest star? I'd say third or fourth on the food chain now. But thanks for the prop. That a boy. This guy 100% understands that his job is to make the other people better. And well, and, and the cool part is he maintained his healness by saying third or fourth. So he could be just referring to, I don't know, the inner circle. Yep. He could be saying all my inner circle guys are. He could be saying uh, Sting and him and Miro and, and Omega and Moxley. <laughs> like, there's lots he could be doing with that. And that's that's what made him makes him so good is that he can, he can heal up while still being the good guy. Speaking of which, that's what I'm excited for next week on AEW's. Oh, finding out if the inner circle stays together? Well, of course they're going to. I don't know. I don't see how Sammy could put up with MJF. Oh, I think Sammy leaves. Everybody else stays. I 100% expected Sammy Guevara to win that battle royal. I'm going to say that right now. Um, So, him not winning and Orange Cassidy winning. And, okay, uh, last week on uh, WBU, I did give... Um, a bit of crap to I think it was last week to WWE for doing the battle royal finish of the person we think they got eliminated but they weren't eliminated and they come in and they and they eliminate and the then AEW did it to and you. then AEW did it so I do have to give AEW a little crap for it however they did do it just ever so slightly different because he came back when there were two people left which was based on the rules of the match, but um, but it did at least put a little bit, but it's not enough to, to get them off the hook for that. So come on, guys. You can do the finish of a battle royal without having to do this whole, oh, we thought he was eliminated gimmick. Be better. Yeah. Yeah. But on that note, we'll get, we're going to wrap this up here. We could ramble on for hours now, and I've got to edit this and go to bed. So, um <laughs> We'll wrap this up. Uh, thank you all for listening. We will see you soon. Hey, uh, real quick, don't forget to follow us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash RawOrderWBU. Buy a damn shirt for your friends for Christmas. Shop.spreadshirt.com slash RawOrderWBU. Deuces. Shirts are cool.